I had a buddy who would name his coolers and I'm like, dude, that's just extra steps to alcoholism. Like just cut out the middleman. You don't need to name it. You, you just Wait, put would he have like a, a gin cooler and a American light lager cooler? Oh no, this guy only drank Bush Light. It was Bush Light or nothing. This guy sounds pretty cool. Um, <laughs> Actually, you'd love him. He's pretty funny. I, I he was yeah. like he was like one of my very first friends like in life. I met him in preschool when I had when I was a little. I had this thing called Perthes disease. Long story short, essentially one leg was growing slower than the other. So I had to have these like A-frame braces that like pulled my legs apart for a year. Like I had to sleep on them. Gump. I was basically Forrest Gump, but not fast or like talented in any way. And so yeah. Dumber. yeah, way dumber. <laughs> Fucking just like painfully stupid. Uh, anyway, I like hobble into this preschool and I like hobble up. It's like, like one of my earliest memories. I hobble up to this like sandbox and I just kind of like stare awkwardly at the kids there. And there's one guy, he, he looks at me and he goes, what's wrong with your legs? Like as a kid, as a preschooler, like first thing out of his mouth. And I'm, I, I don't even know what the hell's wrong with my legs. I'm like, I don't know, I gotta wear braces or something. He's like, okay, you want a truck? And then like from that point on, like we were friends, like he's an asshole. He's just a smart ass dude, but he's actually like got a really good heart. So it's like the nicest thing I'll ever say to him. I won't say it to his face because that'd be weird. Wait, so what are what are the names of his coolers? Oh god, that's a good uh one it's was like, like cooler one and cooler two. That's a lame story. <laughs> no, it was like Tally or something or Shelly. I don't know. I don't it, it, they were always female names. Mm. <laughs> On point for the night. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. There was there was definitely um some repressed sexism involved there, which is a segue into the Still Talking Podcast episode. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our irreverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno and myself, Brian. And we are irreverent. We make a lot of bad jokes, but we try not to be sexist assholes. At least Colton and I try not to. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I want to say maybe not the sexist part, but uh, I was a little insensitive about Forrest Gump being stupid and alluding that you were stupid. That's I thought you fair. were clearly pointing out that Forrest Gump was yeah. smarter than me, and I was okay with that. That's true, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm walking a fine line there. You know, I don't want to drop an R bomb. <laughs> yeah, that'd be no good. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> um, anyway, long. Yeah, let's let's cut to it because otherwise, this is just a weird, awkward intro. And like most of our stuff, it'll come out way past the topical point. Uh, we are talking about some of the online drama that has happened from the uh, Jim Murray uh, whiskey Bible. Which I'll be honest, I don't know him. I don't. That's consumer side stuff. So, not to sound like a pretentious ass myself, but I've not really been involved in that. But uh, most listener listener should maybe have heard of him. He's he what nineteen versions of this whiskey bible, um, and some controversies came out because basically someone called him out for having some just kind of gross gross reviews. Um, I personally think his greatest crime is that he's not a very good writer and those <laughs> reviews were just sloppy as shit and lazy. Uh, but there was also some potentially sexist uh, bullshit in there too. So uh, yeah, uh, I'll leave it up to you guys. What do you, you guys know more about him than I do? Sloppy, like his sexcapades as a teenager. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right, like it's like that. That's pretty much what he wrote. Yeah. It's kind of like if a teenager wrote like some fantasy novels and they wanted to intersperse some like sex scenes and they, they just like, 
they, they didn't even, it was before the internet, so they couldn't even Google. Um, and they just kind of use their imagination. It's that awkward. I think it's just depressing that you can't articulate the beauty. I mean, it's something that we all love, right? Spirits and whiskey. And you can't articulate it, so you have to deface it to just objectifying a human. And right. Like, and your weird fantasy that you act out a certain way and things that you find attractive. It's It's kind of gross. Like, I felt molested by it. <laughs> way to way to somehow make the critique of the critique sexual good job <laughs> i meant intellectually molested god you sicko. uh no see the thing is like again i i i want to be careful like i am giving some just peripheral thoughts because i haven't had the time to actually read like there's 45 entries in this massive book and i think there's like anywhere from 30 to 40 uh, instances that are like sexist or potentially sexual. I can't, I, allegedly, I don't know. I haven't read through all of them. So I got to be careful. We've got to make sure we don't put ourselves in uh, defamatory uh, light here. Um, but yeah, it just, it does seem like outdated language that isn't really necessary to describe. Like it's trying to be poetic, but using terminology that is objectifying in a way. Like the ones I saw, the ones that were pointed out. I think you're giving it too much credit. Brian, I really think I, you're giving it too much credit. There's like the one line in there that I keep coming back to is like, have I had an evening with a 41 year old Canadian before? Yes, I have. Was it as good as this one? No, it probably not. See, and you know, that's not true because Canadians don't age. No Canadian ever ages past 30. They're all just beautiful, <laughs> wonderful people. So we know that he's never actually met a Canadian. I just don't understand why in your fucking minuscule brain, you're like, yeah, you wrote that down. You're like, oh, this is great. Like, it's not funny. Right? Like, I say disgusting things, but at least sometimes they're funny. <laughs> you know, that is the key. Like, you've got to at least be amusing if you're going to be a horrible human. Um, uh, and so, Mike, you talk some more about what you guys, like, know about, like, how much impact does this have, like, on the producer side of the industry? How serious is it taken? Like the stat I've heard is over a million copies sold since 2003. Um, what, again, I'm, I'm not involved with that side, the kind of consumer sales review side. That's not my game. Um, so what do you guys, what do you guys know and feel about that book in general? Well, I read the most I've ever read of a whiskey Bible today. And that was reading the quotes on the Twitter feed. Exactly. <laughs> there uh. you go. <laughs> Yeah, nobody in the industry actually really gives two shits about it. They all know. So, so who uses this book? Is this like the Kentucky, not to call them out necessarily, but no, the Kentucky snobs? A hundred percent shops use this. Yeah, but it's a hundred percent Kentucky snobs too. So the irony of it is, is like before I read this a couple of days ago, um, the when it first came out that he was saying nonsense, someone on LinkedIn, one of my from Cream Fun Factory. They're like, hey, we won blah, blah, blah in Jim Murray's new whiskey Bible. And I'm like, oh, that's a bad look now. <laughs> right? like they were like, yeah, check this out. I'm like, man, this person has no clue. So it's just, I guess it's for, if you're not surrounding it all, right? How many people, he does have a voice. That's what kind of sucks. And right. I don't want, you know, there's enough. It's a male-dominated field still. It's a white male-dominated field. So I don't need that kind of fucking bad press being white male. I have mm -hmm. enough. I'm already a piece <laughs> of garbage, right? Like it, I don't need that shit. And then when he, people listen to it and we all know what our industry is like, but 
you know, I have a vendetta against writers and critics. You guys know that because I'm like, who the fuck? Why the fuck does your opinion matter? It's an opinion, man. Yeah, there's I've heard so many horror stories from especially smaller distillers that I get hit up constantly by like the new wave. And it's been this way for a few years, but you got like the online bloggers, the whiskey mm-hmm. YouTubers, people that are trying to make a name for themselves, not to give them shit necessarily, because there's a lot of good people out there. But you also have the ones that are just doing it for free booze or they're trying to make a name for themselves. So they're super critical uh, and they just are constantly bugging small producers for free product. And so I've gotten horror stories of people like, okay, fine, I'll send you a product. And they send a product and they'll get a review that bashes them because they sent them like a small sample bottle. So like one review literally for the first three quarters of the review review just complained about how cheap the producer was for not sending a full full seven... uh, 50 mil bottle and then at the end he said and the the product's actually good though it was just i mean the only way you can get a real taste of something is if you drink 750 milliliters of it in one hour (laughs) in one hour exactly that has to be your process it's like it's like the gallon of milk challenge oh god (laughs) god Uh, again for legal reasons don't do any of those things no you you should definitely on behalf of the still talking podcast and all the affiliates (laughs) You should definitely drink a gallon of milk the, in its entirety in one sitting. <laughs> yep. And then chase it with a 750 ml of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, the thing is, I, again, this is me and this is, this is my opinion. So everyone else's opinion matters. So why doesn't fucking mine? Um, I, don't, I don't fucking take anyone's opinion like, oh, we drank this. This is what we thought about it. Like use it as maybe a guide. I'm like, okay, well, this person's saying it and they said this about this other spirit. And I kind of agreed with them, but don't, who gives a shit when anyone else thinks, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking for new spirits, I guess that's a way, but I just find it, I find it offensive when I see people in a video, like I'm drinking this, and, you know, meanwhile, Colt and I just did this with Barbancourt. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, we did it. We drank Barbancourt and we talked about it, but like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. That's we didn't put it out there. No, right. We didn't even post it because I kind of hate it. I'm like, I hate this. And like, and there's videos of it and there's so many, and there's a billion now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's exploitation of so many things. And who cares? I mean, right. you know, it's a marketing machine. Our industry is a marketing machine and that's what drives it. But God, you, damn. you bring up a good point that, and this is why back to this kind of, you know, the topic at hand with the, the whiskey Bible itself, I try and draw the line where, I think it's important not necessarily to shame people just by association. So anyone in the past who's basically used that award for marketing purposes to try and basically stay alive or get more sales, I think it's important not to shame them by simple association. They're tr- Most producers are looking for any opportunity to stand out in a field, and they don't have time to vet a 4,500 entry book to know whether you know every single entry is That comes is out clean. every year. That comes out every every damn year. So I think it's really important because I've seen this online and I under, I think the instinct, I understand the instinct to basically paint everyone associated with the same brush. But I think it's very, care, you should be very careful not to just attack a lot of these, especially the smaller producers that again are just trying to stand out and stay alive during a fucking pandemic. And even before that, it's really hard to run a distilling business. So now granted, you can make the argument, anyone moving forward who uses those awards to promote themselves. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of, 
that's suspect. I could believe that, but not everyone's going to know right away because not everyone lives online. So it could take months for some people to even hear this kind of news. So again, I, that's the one like caveat for me is like, I don't like guilt by association. I think that's just lazy. Um, but the individual who actually wrote the shitty stuff, yeah, feel free to go after them. Was he reviewing small guys who are struggling though? That's not the sense I get from reading. That's not really his his shtick. No. That's a good point. I think a lot of it is like again we alluded to the the kind of the Kentucky uh, pretentious level. I I'm, I guarantee you, I'm sure there's more than I mean with 4,500 entries, it's probably not just product from Kentucky. I mean he's done. My understanding is he's done stuff from uh, Japanese whiskey. Okay, wait, and, hold on. You've been saying 45 entries, and you just upped it to 45. 4,500. Yeah, yeah. 4,500. <laughs> I just don't speak well. Language is not my first language. So, um, yeah. Well, I thought a book of 45 entries was big. So you can tell how much I read. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's an, an I, I don't know. It, it sucks. I, I'm, I lean towards what you're saying, Zeno, that our industry is struggling with a situation of diversity and inclusivity and not just being a good old boys of assholes. Which, yeah, I think we should be honest and open and approach that. It's kind of like a reflection of everything else in the fucking world right now anyways, right? It's You need to maybe dig a little deeper than just saying like reading someone's opinion or even five people's opinion or a video or something flashy. Like find out what it really is. Find out who's making it. Find out what it's really about. And you know what? Mm-hmm. If you still like it after that and it's it, you know it's total nonsense, good for you. You mentioned your friend drinks some fucking bush. I find that's awesome. I love when people are like, they have brand loyalty to hot garbage and they don't yeah. give a shit about it, right? Like that's yeah. that's awesome. Um, that's because again, we're, I hate to keep coming back to this, but this is one of my things that rubs me raw is, the, is, is that pretentiousness. I don't care if someone takes Pappy Van Winkle and throws it in with a fucking Coke. They're, you know, Coke and ice, like enjoy it. It's like you drink what you want. Kentucky bourbon is not the only product that exists in the world. And there's some people that will give me shit for saying that. There's a subset of people that feel that is the center of the universe and no other products really matter or have any weight or validity. Um, And a lot of people I like and respect have a viewpoint of that. And I think that's a little bit naive in this day and age where there are so many more producers doing innovative, crazy things. I mean, I'm in some cases, I'm way more interested in the new liqueur that someone makes regionally than just another bourbon that some big producer puts out. I'm sure it's going to be great. They're almost always at least consistent, but how, I don't know. I, I like the creativity, but I'm very biased too. Have these people not tasted like scotch or brandy or rum? <laughs> right? Like, cause I would say, or Japanese whiskey. Well, I think the only thing where I put bourbon ahead of is maybe is like Canadian whiskey. That's me personally in my taste. Um, I think it's a culture thing. I think it's a culture thing. I mean, there's a whole economy built around Kentucky products. And again, don't get me wrong. I fucking love Kentucky products. I love any chance I get to go to Kentucky, try things, meet like amazing distillers that have been doing it for decades. Um, But again, the industry is bigger than that. And I think most people do know that, but there is a subset that that's their lifeblood and that's okay. It's just sometimes I think when you get a very narrow view, it can easy, it can, it can be easy to fall kind of in that pretentious language. Like we see in books like this. Yeah. Plus every drop of Kentucky spirit that you buy supports the Louisville police department. So (laughs) is that that actually true? (laughs) 
Yep, that's uh, this <laughs> this uh, this podcast is brought to link. you by uh, Brianna Taylor's. Go fund me. God, this might be the most serious podcast we've ever done, and I don't like it. I'm just fucking annoyed. <laughs> I'm just so annoyed with everything. Greatly. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Like 2020 is a bit of a hot mess. Um, but I mean, they're like they're bright spots. Uh, we got a cat, so that's totally non-spirits related. But it was a bright. Did it spot. just show up? It literally did. It it walked out of the forest. Okay. I shit you not. (laughs) We adopted a forest cat, which the the irony of that is I'm like brutally allergic to cats. So, (laughs) which actually makes sense again in the sense of 2020 that like while smoke was enveloping Spokane, we had like uh, a poor air quality of over 500, which is at one time, I think the worst in the world. Uh, And we decided to adopt a cat. Wait, over 500 what? Just units? I don't know. Fucking midichlorians, yeah. (laughs) Air quality. Now you're making me look it up. Yeah, what is 500? (laughs) But it's a it's high. Like, well, fuck you. We had uh, 600. AQ. You're you're, shut up. You have tornadoes on the ocean. That's all you have. Yeah, and when I know that when they're stage two, I think is when they're important. Yeah, stage two units. Yeah, stage two. Two units. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, here you go. Uh, so AQI, oh my God, this is our distilling podcast that we talk about air quality right now. This is 2020. <laughs> um, AQI is a yardstick that runs from zero to 500. Uh, when AQI is in the range of zero to 50, the air quality is good. Anywhere from 51 to 100 is moderate, and it gets unhealthy at 101 to 150. So that's the unhealthy range. We were at over 500. That sounds unhealthy. For several days. Yeah, it was How actually... How quantify that? I don't fucking know. You asking reasonable scientific questions? I'm a publisher, fucker. <laughs> well, I to, like... need to know. This is more interesting than everything else we were talking about. It, it actually is so. super interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it major, it, uh, AQI measures five major air pollutants regulated by the Clean Air Act. Ground-level yep. ozone, uh, uh, particulate pollution... Uh, also known as particulate matter, carbon monoxide, sulfur dioxide, and not nitrogen dioxide. So it is a combination of those things in some sort of uh, unified measurement from zero to 500. What kind of equipment do they use to measure that? I assume they just lick their finger and kind of stick it out. (laughs) And some guy named Pete basically says, yeah, that's gross. It's like before a golf (laughs) shot, they just throw some blades of grass in the air. Like, yeah, yeah. That's 270 metachlorians. I mean, let's be honest. This is a governmental uh, measurement. Uh, Let's let's not dig too far into it. Taking my governmental jabs as a shitty man who lives in the woods. Fuck the government. Uh, So, okay. So back to, you know, talking about things that actually are applicable to this podcast. Um, Jim, James, what are we going to call him? Jimothy Murray? Stole that from Jay Bob. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jimothy Murray. He doubled down on it too. So like people called him out. And I did read that. That was yeah, and that, that was the best part. <laughs> he could have had his moment and been like, you know what? I thought I was being cute or cheeky or funny or and it was insensitive. And you're right, I should be I'm I need to reflect a little bit and be better. Like he could have just been real simple like that that is not at all what he did <laughs> no he took the other tactic 
I actually hate to say it, but I think his tactic is probably his better business choice. Um, like I think history has shown a lot of the situations apologizing actually doesn't necessarily, uh, it's the right thing to do, but it doesn't actually help you business wise. So I think in those cases, the best thing to do is usually shut your mouth or I guess in his case, you double down. Um, I think a lot of people are dropping him. I've been seeing, uh, uh, the author who kind of called him out, Becky Baskin, uh, she's been sharing on social media all these companies that are basically disassociating with him. And it's possible that will have long-term impact. But the fact is, this is a guy who self-publishes. So uh, I think in the long run, uh, we'll see. It may ding him for a while, but uh, honestly, he'll probably be okay, which... Yeah, like you said, most most people don't know. Most consumers walking in will see... No winner of the whiskey bible on a shelf and they'll say oh that's great yep. they're, they're not gonna yep. know what what lies inside that book <laughs> right right and i honestly like i want people to be more educated so they can make better choice about what where they're considering their information but i don't i mean this is just my own maybe bullshit nuanced approach but like i don't want his book taken off the shelves i'm not a fan of that kind of like reaction no me either um, i think if I think people should make a choice if they want to carry it. And if they choose not to, that's totally their choice. But also I'm not going to be calling up like fucking retailers and saying, Hey, you need to stop selling that. I think that's a really shitty response. Um, I think just educating people so they can make a better consumer choice. That's the right way to go. But I don't know. That's just me. I do think more people should know what he goes through to do all his tastings because. Oh, it's 14 point. If you want to experience the whiskey, like he does. You have to eat nothing but cream of mushroom soup for six weeks, I think. It's something insane. Like, he won't eat cooked meals, right? He won't have cooked meals in the house. Oh, that's what it is. In his house. That's amazing. Okay, so the one thing that came out of this whole thing uh, that I learned, and I'm excited to have learned that exists because I had no idea this was the thing. Apparently, there's a whiskey satire site called the Whiskey Sponge, and they've, like, done oh, yeah. takedowns of him before. I'm, yeah. I had no idea that there was... Oh, you never... Yeah, no. Whiskey Sponge is great. We are... Yes, this episode is brought to you by the Whiskey Sponge. <laughs> I mean, it's not for <laughs> legal reasons, but uh, I'm glad you exist, guys. Yeah. yeah, the Whiskey Sponge is awesome. That's where, actually, Gordon, you know, the guy who owns Porch Jam, he, right. uh, he originally sent me the Whiskey Sponge article, and it's hilarious. Yeah, it's... But they they always have great stuff. They're always topical and funny and tongue in cheek, but also informative a bit. So, um, it's great. You know, you know, you made a good point though too. Don't pull off the book, and you want the consumer to be educated, and that's fucking hard to do, yeah, right? It is. And I kind of think I'm like how I make my choices is a frame of reference, right? And my buddy Ben once told me this. He's like, you're the kind of guy who always says, well, like, this is like this, but not as good as this, but better than this. And you put, I'm like, yes, I categorize everything like that in my head right. all the time. Um, and that's very hard to do, right? So if what I'm saying is if this guy says all this shit, I'm like, you're this lazy or this stupid to write like this, then you know what? I'm not going to believe anything you're saying or smelling what you're saying. And if you're only going to eat cream of mushroom soup, that's not realistic. Nobody fucking does that. And that's stupid. It's a dedication to whiskey I do not have. And I, yeah. I would say I'm fairly dedicated to spirits. Like, what are you gaining? How are you quantifying that you're better at tasting whiskey? You that, that is the most amazingly nuanced way to say you're an alcoholic. Like, that yeah. was really well done, Colton. I like that a lot. 
I'm really dedicated <laughs> to spirits. No, no, I don't have a drinking problem. I'm passionate. There's a difference. Yeah. I'm neither uh, of those things. I'm just an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, to, I'll be honest, a part of me is surprised that it's taken this long for something like this to have broke. I guess, no, it's actually unfair to say this is the first time something like this has broken out in the spirits industry. Um, there was the whole situation with the the bullet guy and his daughter. And so there's been a little ones that crop up, but they don't. I guess our industry isn't necessarily big enough that it gets a lot of uh, public Did attention. Did have any resolution? Uh, Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah, it, it, goes, I, it fell off and I... I it it's quiet. I felt like following. So. Yeah. I, I assume there's probably either quiet, let like um, uh, lawsuits maybe going on, or maybe a settlement happened, or maybe I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I, I can't speak to that intelligently. Yeah, me either. But we can make gross accusations that are <laughs> are based totally. on nothing. Totally. Yeah. That basically all of those people <laughs> don't really exist. They're all pseudonyms for Colton. And that uh, he is the man who's always been yeah. behind Bullet. Yep. <laughs> the Bullet Bible. That's me. Yeah. The, all these people are Coltons. <laughs> um, you know, it's you're right, though. It's all, it's, it's kind of all in the industry. And to me, I thought about it even more. I'm like, it's a fucking gross double standard. Like, he talks about doing tastings, and there's part where, you know, and like nipples showing through his shirt. And, what if, Jesus, what, seriously? What if the fucking tables were turned? What if the fucking tables were turned? What if it was like, oh, this whiskey drinks like a nice hard cock going down my throat, right? Like if someone said that, it's fucking gross, right? I, I would, so why, I'll be honest, I would read that book just because the writing sounds hilarious. Yeah. That would actually I mean, be I pretty funny. That would be a coffee book. table book. Yeah. The funny thing is, I usually drink my whiskey off of a hard cock in my throat, so... <laughs> Um, it's uh, dedicated to spirits. Dedicated to spirits. No, that I mean, that's why I say like the biggest sin. Yeah, the biggest sin is like just bullshit, bad writing, and objectifying human beings. Like, actually, I I guess the bigger sin is the objectifying human beings. I didn't make myself look like a good person. (laughs) Um, But again, I I am a publisher, so my my uh, (laughs) my value system is fucked up. Just be a better writer if you're going to be an asshole. That's yeah, the key. I know you're, pretty much you said, Brian, you're like, you know what? The worst thing about the Nazis were their outfits. <laughs> they clashed. Like, please, cut that. Make, please, please cut that. Please cut that. sense with those armbands. Like, that is the worst thing about the Nazis. Um, uh, happy New Year to you, Colton, by the way. Oh, why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a brisket? <laughs> No, I didn't, but my family did uh, their traditional. They, they throw bread off of our the bridge by our house. Huh. I was not there, but I'm sure a loaf got thrown for me. That's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, that, that was just this, what was that, Friday or Saturday? Friday. Saturday? Friday? Uh, Saturday, maybe. What's what's the name? Of, uh, it, uh, I think it's Friday. It starts with an R, right? Rum Springer? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's an Amish one. I'm making a joke. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to start calling you Goebbels. Uh, no no okay at a certain okay dude i live weirdly close to idaho i am very white all my kids are super white we have blue eyes i do not accept nazi jokes that's really that could be real bad for my personal brand so no nazis are bad let's unequivocally point that out 
No, I don't care bad. what they're. All my kids have blonde hair and blue eyes. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So my, Amanda, she has pointed out like I don't even remember when this was, but like years ago, like she just had this random like look of horror on her face. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, oh, it just it dawned on me that Hitler would have thought our kids were great. I'm like, what? Because they're blue eyed and blonde. She's like, yeah, that kind of upsets me. I'm like, okay, first of all, it's not their fault. And also, why did you have to say that out loud? Because now I'm thinking that. (laughs) No, because of the hate in their heart. (laughs) No, no, there is zero empathy or feeling or any kind of emotion in their heart. So that's different, Zeno. No hate. They should just cold dead. A 46,000 whiskey review. Or whatever it was, forty six. Uh, we're just making remember. numbers up now. Yeah. I love that. Keep, yeah, no, my yeah. my poor kids. Keep that increasing them. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we've done a good job of talking about the object objectification woman and uh, Nazis. So this is going to definitely uh, lead our podcast reviews on uh, on Apple and iTunes and stuff. <laughs> no, I, I just think it's important. Like, know what you're reading and who's writing it. That's uh, yeah. that's what I'm going to get at. Right. Like, that's what I'm taking away. Is I didn't know any of this about Jim Murray. I guess you can kind of find them in all of the whiskey Bibles. I don't really read the whiskey Bibles, so I don't well, really that's care. what I don't know. I didn't like. Have yeah. people been? Have people gone back? Has he always written like this? I think so. I think it's gotten worse. Gordon says he's been like that, and there's no. I mean, there's other stories too. There's, you know, I know probably if we had to, the three of us could think of people that make us uncomfortable that we've known in the industry since we've been in it. Yeah. The three of us, the three (laughs) of us. Anytime we get into a room, I feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's what a fucking shitty time. What an asshole. I just, Mm -hmm. I I just is annoying. And I know it's everywhere and I know it's right. Just know what you're reading and know where it's coming from. And yeah, that guy might drink a lot of whiskey and he probably has a lot of opinions and he probably eats a lot of cream of mushroom soup but he might also inappropriately touch your aunt. (laughs) Leave my aunts alone, man. (laughs) Uh, So like, fuck his opinion. Um, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, What else do we, yeah, I think so. I think that sums it up. Uh, Anything else on this uh, episode? I'm pouring myself another whiskey. So you, Got another five minutes. I think we should uh, touch upon how the uh, FET thing went last week. Like the, I suppose we should. Yeah, that's probably important. (laughs) That that's actually a really valid one. Uh, Yeah. So last week, ACSA and Discus did their annual public policy conference, normally called a fly-in event, a DC fly-in. There was no flying. of this event obviously it was socially distanced from home uh conference calls and stuff and it seemed like it was really well organized day one was primarily uh basically ttb had their usual kind of conference where they answered some questions and talked about like the upcoming year and some of the issues they're having um it was really interesting to hear about some of the things going on with them internally some of their replacements and needing new staff uh, it always shocks me how much they actually do get done considering how underfunded and understaffed ttb is so uh say what you will about them i for a government organization i think they do a pretty good job uh and then there was uh senator ron wyden and congressman roy blunt is that right they both spoke uh and then day two was all just meetings is that right colton 
Yeah. I mean, it, it depending on what state you were representing, but like I only had two meetings and they were both back to back. So it was an hour of my time. Yeah. yeah we had, but two they meetings. went great. Yeah. Well, it kind of went like when we were there in person. Yeah. 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 We support this, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough on, like, even when you're talking to the actual Congress people and not just an aide, which don't get me wrong, a lot of times the actual uh, congressional or sen- uh, senator's aides do a really good job of, they know more about it than the actual lawmakers quite, quite often. Um, but it's tough because you're right. They'll basically say, yeah, we support this, like, in full. We think it's great, but we can't do anything about it until it, like, comes up for a vote or it's going to have to be attached to a different package. Like, this is one of those rare, like, pieces of legislation that has enough bipartisan support in the house and senate that it could pass tomorrow like if they brought it up for a vote it would it has enough co-sponsors it's what something insane the, like a lot of the aides when they see the number of co-sponsors like oh my god how how is this not passed right there's almost literally no other legislation in the country that has anything like that um but it's just because of the way politics is done in America that it has to be a part of a bigger spending bill or some other, like they have to sneak it in somehow. So that's what we had to they do with last year. As a rider on a Supreme court vote. Do it, do it, get it done. Colton. <laughs> yeah. Get it creative. Well, I will say my one, one thing that, you know, obviously it's not as, it didn't feel as impactful as when you're there in person. Cause we're such a large group. And there's a real presence there, and that's always nice. But uh, it was nice to talk to to whoever we got the, our meetings with. Sometimes, though, it was just us, and they didn't have their video on. So it was like us talking to each other with just their sound, and that kind of sucked. I like to look someone in the face. Yeah. Um, look right at their neck. I don't know why. Yeah, I look at him. I'm like, I'm gonna touch you like Jim Murray. <laughs> no, no, Colton, Zeno, bad. Either one of you. Uh, I, I think we should put it out there that he has not been accused of touching anybody. Yes, that's also good from a legal standpoint. We are not saying anything happened with him. He's not been accused of anything like that. Just no. again, bad writing is primarily He's not being what... accused of it. That doesn't really stop. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, all complaints and legal filings can be sent to Jason Zeno. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say that he did anything. I don't know. Just skeezy. When you write like that, I'm like, uh. I mean, I say terrible, awful things on this podcast. You stand behind them. <laughs> I stand yeah. strongly behind them. You stand them. strong behind them. And luckily, most of them are amusing. So you got that going for you. And also, I think the other key thing is um, he obviously has a great deal of pride, um, probably jumping over the line of arrogance, uh, whereas we know we're worthless pieces of shit. Uh, So it's really difficult to cancel people that have zero egos or essentially any kind of souls. So I think we're pretty good in that. Yeah, but, you know, in all seriousness, if someone came out to me like, hey, you know, what you said really made me uncomfortable. That I would be mortified, mortified. If like they couldn't see that the jest in what I'm saying, then I'm like, ah, that sucks. And then I'd be like, let's talk through this. And yeah. you can realize that I am actually the terrible person you think I am. <laughs> but you have a heart of gold. Right. But for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to make it sound like I'm a great human being. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So anyway, FET was great. Uh, And as of uh, recording this, what was this? September 22nd, 2020, we still have no fucking idea what's happening with FET. Um, Basically, I think we're just... I I think our best hope is an extension. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be in some sort of extender package, which do we know when they're going to... Are they going to vote on that before the elections or is it going to lame duck? Does anyone know? Uh, Lame duck. It's December. Yay. Great. Zero hour again. It's right down to the wire as always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the kid that works for me asked, he's like, hey, he's like, hey, what's going on with that? And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, what I think is going to happen is it'll be down to the last second and it'll get punted for another year. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. If I was a betting man, that's what I would bet. Well, and I, luckily enough, I think because, I mean, I I shouldn't say lucky because there's nothing lucky about this pandemic, but basically allowing us an industry like ours, the taxes to go up 400% during a pandemic when so many people are either close to or going out of business would not be politically savvy. So I don't think they would let this one lapse unless it got real ugly and like everything was gridlock and everything shut down, which fuck, don't get me wrong. That could happen. Um, I think no, our, our we, president Trump wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> not in December, especially. Not in December. Yeah, just December words. Mm. Uh, but it definitely won't happen if you don't call right Telefax mm-hmm. carrier pigeon your senators and Congress people. Yep. Just because yeah. we did it for a day virtually doesn't mean you. No. can't do it for a week also virtually it's it it's super turnkey like go to acsa go to discus send us an email and we'll get you the links to all the pre-written letters like they've done all the work for you all you have to do yeah, you just is basically sign name. it yeah i mean in some cases i think you could just email these things um it works better if you actually print one out sign it and send it as a letter that actually gets their attention believe it or not the more they have of those that actually they notice it um yeah, so do that. Colton's absolutely right. I like to insert pictures of me in grade school, like my school pictures. <laughs> With a, like a shot of whiskey? Like, do you want to destroy this boy? <laughs> Sometimes that goes the wrong way. Yeah, I wish you wouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> Don't I, send that to certain senators. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I was saying as I was saying it, but it was already coming out, all right? Also what the senator said. <laughs> Um, in all seriousness, you should contact anyone you can scream to the fucking hills because it's, Ugh. I don't, I don't know how many of businesses would stay afloat if that goes away. It, I mean, uh, financially it would fuck over a vast majority of mid to small producers. And honestly, just morale wise, it would, it would crush people. Like there are some people that might actually survive it, this and a pandemic, but just the morale crush of that, it, it'd be so hard to like make it through. You'd have a lot of people just give up and sell. And basically, we're going to see a lot of consolidation next year. If something like that happens. It's going to get ugly. Right. So just in case listener happens to be a mechanic and not in the industry, <clears throat> let's give them the specific of what it was and what it is right now with the reduction and what a proof gallon is. Because I assume maybe someone would hear this by accident that isn't in the industry. <laughs> yep. They wanted and to know about Jim Murray. 
who wanted to know. I mean, <laughs> you really come to this podcast for information. Because <laughs> uh, so, no, they, I assume they come for witty, witty banter. If if you come to here, if you come here for information, you should check out Talkspace. Um, I feel like they have certified therapists that can get you through your day in these trying. Another days. company that doesn't sponsor us for legal reasons. <laughs> Are there any mattress companies or pillowcases you would like to uh, advertise real quick? I'm, I quite fancy the tuft and needle. It's what I use personally. And I'll tell you what, I've never got a better night's sleep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Okay. FET, uh, Colton, do a recap. I picked you randomly cause you weren't talking. All right. Well, a proof gallon is one gallon of alcohol at a hundred proof. This is to standardize your calculations. Uh, it used to be in the before times we had to pay thirteen fifty, just in federal tax. Um, I found out recently in Alabama it's like still fifty or sixty percent tax nice. on every bottle, even with the reduction. Jesus. Uh, so what was it? Two, almost three years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Uh, we were able to uh, finagle a reduction down to two dollars and seventy cents for the first hundred thousand proof gallons, which. That is correct. You know, we've been in here or in the industry a little while and maybe made 100,000 proof gallons on the craft scale. Right. Obviously, Zeno made that in like January at, yeah. at the Fun Factory. But uh, for perspective, yeah. too, what what's a case? So, like a case, a 12 pack case, which about is, two. is nine liters or two proof gallons, right? Yeah, it's about it's, two proof gallons. Yeah. So. So that gives you us some a, perspective. You got a lot of cases to sell before. If you've sold that many cases, you have the tax money to spare. Unless right. you're selling at a loss. Which... In which case, you should send it to the Still Talking <laughs> Podcast. But yeah. even at that rate, I mean, for those that are the uninitiated, that are, you know, the big boys are behind this too. Because even at 100,000 cases, 100,000 proof gallons, it's still beneficial up to that. So. And there's a tiered reduction, if I'm correct, after that, right? Is it there's like a tiered reduction, but the yeah, next, like, what, like 1.3 million proof gallons is like 1325 instead of 1350 or something. Right. Yep. Which, Still, you know, adds at that up many. quickly. Yeah, <laughs> at that many. So. Um, so the how do you convert uh, proof gallons to uh, air quality index? What is one AQI <laughs> to one proof gallon? You use a psychometer. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Actually, Mine's you know what a psychometer does? I think it's a psycho I think this is what a psychometer does. You should definitely quote me for it. This is a commercial for a psychometer right now. <laughs> I believe you spin it and it ch- it like checks like airflow. I feel like it like it spins. This is not like it's like uh like CFMs, cubic feet and like uh for fans mm-hmm. and blowers. I think that's what it does. Dude, I'm uh, I'm not gonna lie. When you started saying spinning, I thought you were gonna make some like weird dreidel joke, and I was just <laughs> I wasn't sure where it was going. Psychrometer, uh, yeah, HVAC <laughs> tells you how fast your dreidel goes. <laughs> measures. Oh, so no, no, right. I was. Right. I want no, one of those. That sounds badass. <laughs> no, I was totally wrong about it. It measures the relative humidity. I'm like, I know I've used one of these before. Um, it's pretty cool, psychrometer. I used one at. Uh, Jim Beam is one of the maintenance guys. He showed me. It was really cool. We were trying to figure out. Uh, they have bag houses for dust collection for you know grinding grain. 
and we were trying to figure out some kind of moisture content in some vessel and it was pretty neat and he was like yeah we need a still psych- turned out it was he's like we need a psychrometer i'm like it's very moist in here it's very <laughs> moist inside this still um also hot it's weird uh okay uh, this has gone on too long i'm gonna do the final thought or what video games are you guys playing since you know we're still in a pandemic and all here we are uh i am playing cuphead personally um, Ooh, nice i've I've never been more angry, uh, but yet I can't stop. I, I think this is what it's like to be addicted to crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, but probably less fun. <laughs> well, this coming from the guy who lives in Washington State, that makes a lot of sense. Spokane is known for um, a large uh, production number of production facilities of crystal meth. So, yeah, I can't really argue that. I also, have been playing a uh, lot, lot of Nazis in Spokane, isn't there? No, I'm pretty no, sure the no, Nazis did no, stop it. No. <laughs> well, actually, that's probably a good point. But yeah. no, that is the wrong state. Keep going east, not to specifically call out any other states that aren't Washington. <laughs> New York. New York. That all the Nazis are definitely in that state. I'm yeah, doesn't Frank sure. Sinatra have a song about that? Um <laughs> All right, sorry, that's a good one. What do you play? Yeah, uh, I have gone back to the well and I have been playing Skyrim. I have, after however many goddamn years that game has been out, I have still yet to actually beat the main campaign. I've got like ridiculous amounts of hours in that game. Um, but yeah, I've been playing Elder Scrolls Skyrim again. Never before Microsoft changes at all, true, right? Right. Yeah, they just bought like all of those games, Fallout, uh, whatever the fuck other games, Doom. Yeah, they bought all the games I don't play. <laughs> oh, man, you're missing out. Like a lot of those uh, Bethesda games, they're not great, but they're fun, if that makes any sense. Doom Doom kind of piqued my interest because I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can just get listen to metal and kill things. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's really well done. Um, Skyrim is a guilty pleasure. I've always liked the Elder Scrolls games. They're just dumb RPGs and they're fun. Colton? I've been uh, crushing it in the new Tony Hawks. It turns out oh. I can still hit high combos. You and Tony Hawk himself. <laughs> you can grind for 7,000 years. Yeah. It's the for most seven, realistic seven physics. 7 million points. <laughs> it's the most realistic <laughs> physics in any video game ever. Oh, they're amazing. I love it. I just turn it on. I actually don't listen to the soundtrack. I just turn on like a book on tape. What an asshole. Like, that is the most naughty thing I've ever heard. I play the Tony Hawk games, but I don't listen to the soundtrack. Come on, man. It's like one of the most famous soundtracks ever. The old one. I don't think the new one's that good. I mean, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, it had like uh, Jerry was a race car driver from Primus and Ace of Spades, Motorhead. Come on. Well, yeah, those were the old ones. I don't think I feel like Lemmy is going to come back like Jesus did. Because I'm religious now, guys. I forgot to tell you. So I've heard. Yeah. And except he's going to come back just to fuck your face, Colton. And it's Lemmy. Lemmy wow. is God. That got so aggressive so quick. Um, fuck your face like Jim Murray did. I'll still. Oh! <laughs> to wow. I wonder yeah. if that's the lead into this episode. Yeah. Anyway, love you, dummies. <laughs> All right. All right.